Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag. But then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Lord Rock Big Saxon Jacks. Now, tomorrow, Greg Pappas on the board. SB Futures up 28.75. Nasdaq Futures up 173. This is after some massive day yesterday, which eclipsed actually all, all if not more, of the uh, the Fed down day. So this is uh, this is kind of getting crazy, in one man's opinion. Uh, I don't know that it's healthy. Uh, it just means that the market, when it goes down, people get out of the way. When it gets up, people get out of the way. But now we have Meta... Uh, up sixty-seven dollars at seventeen percent. They're going to pay a fifty-cent dividend on a stock that's four sixty-one now, and everybody's cheering the hell out of that. Hey, uh, do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning, Kevin. How are you? What I, you see, whatever I do, whatever I mention, somebody caution on a stock. It, you would probably want to buy it because it goes straight up. Minute <laughs> I say it, <laughs> I, I've got I've got this meta. Now we're not talking about a new company. All right, these are, these are just numbers. I mean, they're just numbers. It doesn't you know? Like I said, you might want to. They have Roughly 130 billion dollars in revenue. Okay, they've got 2.64 billion shares outstanding. All right, so that's that's uh, 49 dollars a share in revenue. You divide that into their new number where they're trading at 461, and you're basically talking you know nine nine six uh, times times revenue. Um, that is huge. For you know, I I don't I don't see how these guys can double necessarily or triple the revenue. Maybe they can. Uh, they can if the Fed keeps pouring money in. I guess at least funnier dollars. But that is the reason why I keep saying this, and it's and it's not any kind because of, everything every time is different. The danger zone in two thousand was when the Cisco's and Oracle's and those places made it made it past ten times revenue. We're talking about profit. We're talking about mature companies here. We're not we're not talking about. You getting a spectacular idea, everybody knows it's going to be a huge winner because you know nobody's thought of it before, and all of a sudden everybody seems to want it or need it or whatever. You could trade 100 times revenue, and in the, in the, in the company might be a bargain because you just can't grow that fast. But as fast as you can grow, people are going to. I don't know that these mature companies, I've never seen uh, mature companies with 10 times revenue for any kind of distance ever, you know, but th- which doesn't mean. That in a year where the where the Fed is gonna obviously going to pour more money into the system and 
get rid of their inflation fight, which is obviously what they're doing. Um, that doesn't mean these things can't go higher. And everybody is just giddy with this stuff, and I just, I'm just worried about it, Kevin. I'm just worried about it. You know what I'm saying. Oh, so you, your question is is uh, uh, would be, I guess, is where, it, you know, just speaking as a company strategy, it, you know, where is the growth for these companies? How could how could they possibly grow into that? And a lot of people are saying AI, AI, and oh, yeah. you know. It, in in some cases, they will do well, at least on the machine learning aspect of it, which is that where I think the uh, the, the uh, nearer term payoff is for it. But um, it, you know, you look at some of them, and you have to ask the question: Is this really? Is this still a growth company? I, I look at Apple, who had you know for years was you would consider an innovation company. When's the last time Apple had a substantial innovation? I suppose that you know you might call that uh, that headset thing that they have, but uh, 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 you know a step forward. It's kind of a uh, you know augmented reality type of uh, type of device, but it's not the kind of thing that they're going to roll out anytime soon on a mass basis because people can't afford it. By the way, Apple's down five bucks, and the and the and the workplace applications for it are well established at a much lower price point. Well, they have Apple is uh, what you look this up, Greg? I think this reporting last night. By the way, Apple's down four dollars and eighty six cents. Or one of these big ones, it's down. I think this quarter was the first quarter in the last five, six, seven where the revenue was actually up. Um, by the way, Kevin, you know you're you're a little more perceptive than you even think you th- even think you are. When I did this analysis back in 2000... I, Tom, I could not be more perspe- perspe- uh, perceptive than I think I am. Okay. I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, the, when I did I, this... I'm so good, I don't uh, have to uh, brag. Oh, God. You, you, and, you and Taylor. Uh, the, uh, back, back in 2000, I could still remember the stocks. The same thing was happening. Or five, six stocks. You couldn't, you couldn't put a top on them, right? Of course, the tops were sixty-five hours, not four sixty. Well, see if I can remember. It was uh, Intel, Oracle, Cisco, Microsoft was one of them. Uh, I'm going to say Dell. Which one? I'm leaving one of them out. I don't know. It's a long time ago, but I, but I went through the same thing with those those guys essentially, Kevin. And I I looked at the revenue they had and the earnings and where the stock was trading. I mean, Cisco's revenue. Was about six bucks a share, and the stock was trading sixty-five. So they were eleven-ish. I remember that one because the stock went down to six after after the. I'm not predicting that or anything, but that was my first question. I don't know enough about these companies and what they do. I knew Oracle was into storage, and they had uh, inter- not internet, but a computer storage stuff, and they had massive innovations where you could store stuff because CBOE was buying stuff from them. I knew Cisco. We must have had. 15, 20 Cisco routers in her office at the time. Every time you got a new machine, you got a new, a new line for that machine, you didn't have one one place like you do now where it all piles into the same router and then splits off from there. Every machine had its own line. So we probably, when we moved out of that office 20-some years ago, I think on our conference room table we had like 15 routers. When we moved over here we had one. You know, But what I'm saying, I, my conclusion was I don't know enough about any of these companies to say that they aren't the company or the two companies that are going to be, that are going to lead us into the promised land. But if if they all, there's no way they all could do it. 
if they all tripled or quadrupled the economy, they're they going to be bigger than the economy. Same way, I mean, I, I don't know that, that, that Zuckerberg doesn't have some, you know, mouse up his sleeve or rabbit up his, in his hat or something, or he, and, and all of a sudden he's, the, the stock could be cheap here. I don't know that. But I'm saying if you look at all of them, they can't all double or triple, or, 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 or we better, the, the Fed better just get a really helicopter money and pour it around the place because they're too big to do that. They've been around too long, in, in my opinion. Just saying. Okay. I mean, you just said it about Apple. I mean, how is Apple going to double? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm right with yeah. you, Tom. I think that's, you know, that that gets to be the question. And and there are some companies, and, and it might be, <clears throat> there might be some in the Magnificent Seven who are totally capable of that, that they can be really innovative. But where, you know, where's Meta going to get it? You know, what else are they going to do? I mean, their, their growth pattern appears to be just buying up, you know, alternative methods, uh, um, alternative social media platforms. Well, that's that they're in the they're in the, the that, that doesn't go on forever. You know, there there there's only so much you can you can do there. I don't I don't see where their big innovation breakthrough is. Well, that comes down to another. That's like a. I mean, where where is Pfizer's innovation? Having research out there where anybody else is coming up with a new drug, they buy the place. That's their innovation. Mark's the same way. I mean, it's not like they don't have any new drugs, but by and large, they pilfer everybody else's because they've got the money, they don't pay enough taxes, and they've just, they're allowed to just take over everybody by our, our government. You know, so that's that's their growth. Now, I mean, I'm, Greg was telling me on the way in, I mean, these guys, their growth is from, what is it, Snapchat and, uh, what is it, what's the other two, Greg? Uh, he was saying, uh, All right, in, I'm talking about Meta now. Yeah, Meta. Originally, they bought Instagram for a billion dollars when it was like 12 or 13 people. And then after that, they acquired, um, it was called WhatsApp for all the international people. Is, is WhatsApp the thing that allows you to call people in Europe for like nothing? Yep. That's cool. I've actually used that. Well. Once. Zuck, thanks you. Okay. But it doesn't cost you anything. Well, it, it didn't cost me anything. I'd Something about when you, when there's no price. Well, I, you know, I'm saying it was uh, actually one of the listeners from London. We have a few people in Britain that listen. Yeah, it's very, very uh, popular internationally. Yeah, I mean, I, anyway, I, I don't even think I have it on my phone anymore, but uh, I had it on my old phone. Uh, anyway, but, yeah, I mean, I, that's the, but you look at what, when things are going up, Kevin, and, 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 and money is easy. I, w- I wouldn't short this market right here. I mean, uh, why would you? I mean, it, 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 it's giddy. It's but what? But whenever that happens, something happens. You know, usually. Did you see? Uh, there's an article here, and uh, we've been talking a lot about gold, or a lot of people have. That last year, of course, they they, don't, they never get their, their they never get their uh, uh, economic terms exactly right. There's a lady here, Charmaine Jacob, just wrote an article here about uh, gold demand hits a record high in 2023 amid geopolitical risk, China weakness. Evidently, uh, total gold demand was 4,899 tons last year compared to 4,741 in 2020. Well, first of all, that, that sorry, Charmaine, it's an F paper in terms of your definitions. The quantity demanded was that uh, demand is a curve, it's not a number. For those that don't know that, but anyway, but so gold purchases from, from central banks. Would you have guessed this, Kevin? Gold purchases from central banks led to last year's surge 
with purchases exceeding a thousand tons for two consecutive years. So what do they do Did with it? Did you get yours? What? Did you get yours? Um, last I checked, I wasn't a central bank, although I wouldn't mind that spot. Just saying. Yeah. Did, you, did you get your share of the uh, of the of all those purchases that were out there? You don't have to be, you know. Well, you gotta, you get those central banks. You got you got to go head to head with them, Tom. Um, You're a well, big shooter. Uh, we're big something. Uh, we do have uh, pretty <laughs> good yeah. positions in, in gold, and we had a very nice day yesterday. So this gold is way up. Um, so we're, we're we're nipping away at some of these little gold stacks, you know, small, but. Uh, there's still there's still a weird dichotomy in here though, uh, Kevin. And I don't know. Dan Janitas uh, claims, you know, well he he's, he says, "Hang in there." But uh, when I say, "Hang in there," we have been long the gold miners index for a long time, and this is you know I'll just tell people this, and it, it, it has not been a huge winner. Uh, we protect around it, so we've actually made uh, some some money on you know having puts when it goes down and rolling the puts down and all that stuff. But, We've actually generated some cash out of the position, but it's really not going anywhere, you know, for you know, for full honesty. Uh, but the weird part, Kevin, is the GC, which is the gold future, uh, the April is 2072. The gold miners index, the GDX, is 29.15. And all these, you know, these gold stocks are in the gold miners index, duh. Um, I'm going to say the last time gold was at this, this price, the GDX was probably 35, so it probably was almost 20% higher. And I can't quite figure out, since I don't really know any people in Africa in gold mines, why the miners are not are not keeping up with the price of gold. Or whether they think, whether people think that the price of gold is is temporary here or what, I don't know. But I mean, when it was over 2100 a few years ago, the GDX was like 42. So I don't know if the costs of, of digging it out of the ground are that much. Because the reason why, this again, this hasn't worked out spectacularly yet. Um, but the reason why I, I, I do this, Kevin, is because I, being a, a, you know, a cost guy for my whole career until I became, became a trader, you should have, if you're making money at gold at 1800 an ounce or 1700 and you're paying all your people, if gold goes up three or 400 bucks, Big chunk of that has to be profit, right? I mean, a man, I mean, if you if you increase your production, your your cost per ton is probably going to go up. But still, if the price of gold goes up ten percent, you should be up. You know, your 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 profit should be up. You know, fifty percent, depending on where. In, in most industries, and yet for some reason, this this time, that that is not going to go up. Now, Dan Janitas claims. Hang in there. When gold goes to twenty-two, all of a sudden his GDX is going to go to the moon, not the moon. It'll go forty bucks. I hope he's right. You know, but so now I, whenever you're you hang into a position like that, um, you're not sure if you're early, Kevin, or just stubborn, right? Yeah, I hear you. Is that and, and you don't want to be early. You don't. You know, first to market is uh, first to anything. Is not necessarily good. Can be, but it, it, it isn't necessarily. There's you know lots of stories of people rolling out product that were you know they were the first ones with the product out and uh, you know and, and they were right on top of everything. They just you know the timing didn't work for them and numbers two, three, and four came in later and uh, and ate their lunch. Well, I mean even even in, in stuff you you see about a company and you know I don't know any companies right now that I think are cooking the books or anything, but there have been over time. But if you all of a sudden, I don't know how you even find this out, 
if you pick the company and all of a sudden they, you know they're they're cooking the books or something, which I don't think people do anymore, but uh, somebody probably is somewhere. If you find that out and uh, and you you know buy puts or you short the company somehow, don't be so arrogant to think you're gonna be right tomorrow. <laughs> it might be years from now. It's if you're right in the first place, right? It yeah. could it could be forever. I I don't care. We were around right. I uh, told you a story about this guy we used to be on. Uh, uh, my buddy John got us on something. This was actually the the precursor to Fast Money on CNBC, which has been around forever. Dylan Radigan uh, was John's buddy at the time, and I don't know if they talk anymore. But he came to Chicago. We had we had a show that was supposedly on Channel Twenty Six, but it wasn't really. The only place we were on once a week was in Rockford or someplace or Joliet. So the idea was four of us would show up. We were the traders, and we were going to talk about trading. You know, it was, it was sort of like designed on sports traders on TV, only it was traders talking about the market, which is what guys do now and have forever on, on fast money. Well, essentially, that was a takeoff on our show. Dylan Radigan came to town and said, this is pretty neat. I'll, let me see if I can get CNBC to do it in New York. And he sold it to him, and he started with fast money. And John was one of the first people that was on fast money. Which, you know, that's how the thing started. Well, we had a group here. One of the guys was a uh, uh, CME trader, kind of a character, nice guy. His dad owned a clearing firm. Another dude was a, was a uh, he was crazy, <laughs> big, tall, Armenian dude. Uh, he had to be 6'5". He was absolutely convinced that Tenant Healthcare, was, was, was their accounting was all balled up. This is 15 years ago. Maybe more, and he and he and he was absolutely convinced. And uh, he w- his family built houses and, and four flats and stuff. And he ended up his dad died, I think, and he ended up with the company, managing the company's finances, and building some places. He was a talented builder. I mean, he'd build a big four flat in the city, Greg, and and he would sell the other three condos, and he'd get his for free. He'd live there for a while and then sell his. So I mean, he was very successful. So he decides tenant health care. Is going in the crap hole because they they were mis- double counting something or whatever, and uh, stocks like fifty, and it's fifty five, and it's sixty, and it's sixty five, and this poor guy, I think he ended up the show kind of ended. I think he got carried out. I think he, he blew all his money and all and all the, uh, the the family's money, and sure enough, like a year later, we wanted the you know market was down some, but the company was doing whatever the hell it is he found out they were doing, and the stock I think went down to like six. But he was early, and he was too big. You know, I, and it, it, you know, it, it's it, it's not always being being right. It's being right at the right time. Yeah. Another quick, uh, because nobody wants we're, nobody wants to really learn how to trade now. They just want to get momentum trading and keep going. But one of my our first customers ever at the at PTI was it was a gentleman out of uh, Arizona. I should his first name uh, C W. I won't use his last name because he's pretty famous. Uh, and he was a guy who was a, uh, well, he was a prisoner of World War II. His B-24, he was a navigator, got shot down or something. I don't, I don't know if he was a prisoner of war that long, but wouldn't take too long to not like it. Uh, but he's, he was back, and he was a navigator. And he was real smart. He, he had a, a place in uh, Wabash, Indiana, is where I think they were from. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a, some kind of a factory there. And the family... <laughs> One of the kids went to camp one summer up in Canada, in the Bay of the Islands. You, you know where that place is? You, well, you, where is that? You, you essentially take go over the bridge. Of course, there was no bridge at that time. You go over into Canada and you make a right and you scoot down the 
the top you part. Cannon and make a right. I love it. Yeah, okay. well, you, you get you know you get to, you go past Lake Huron and you essentially make a right on the northern part of Lake Huron, and about sixty miles down, there's a big peninsula. Actually, it's, it's got a it's it's split off from the mainland by a, a, a thing of water that's about a foot and a half wide. So technically, it's an island. It's Mantulan Island. Well, that thing creates something called the Bay of the Islands, and there's all these islands on there because it's the same. Topography is like Quetico Park, where the glacier scraped everything off. So there's all these islands with you know scrub trees on them and stuff. It's beautiful. The problem is there's a lot of islands that are like six inches under the water. So if you don't know where you're going, you're you're you're, you're the only boats anybody uses are Boston whalers because they're not much of a draft. And you're constantly if you don't know exactly where you're going, you're, you're cl- anyway. He buys three of these islands and builds these incredible houses on the islands. This is before there was a bridge. <laughs> I would take. The Chevy Nomad, you know, 57 Chevy up from Wabash, Indiana, and drive up up there where you had to buy your ticket for the ferry and go see a movie while the, until your, the ferry showed up and you got the car on there and off you went. I mean, these people were built of sturdy stuff. This is 20 years before there was electricity or anything on these islands. You know, <laughs> you basically have to haul the refrigerator. They, they have to haul the dirt out for the septic on the island because there's no dirt on the island. See, you, have to, you have to barge dirt out there for your septic system. Anyway, the dude is a that's crazy. The, the dude is, is a very serious uh, trader, and he starts doing this uh, commodity trading. Listen to this, Greg, because Greg is a commodity trader, and he finds out that he's got three or four different technical systems. Joe Granville had one. Then he had a. I think he had Fibonacci. I forget who the other two were, but there were, there's four. Greg could probably name them. There's four old line technical systems been around you know, since forever. And he got some computer system back in those days. We had all four of them going at once. And whatever the, the commodity was, be it pork bellies or cattle or soybeans or whatever, he found out he, whenever all four of them denoted a sale or a buy, he would get in. And, and, and after a year, he's break even and he's all pissed off because he didn't make any money. And he, but he starts to keep track that whenever he did a soybean trade, and again, this is, I don't remember the numbers a long time ago, whenever he did a soybean trade, he was almost always right, but he was always early. Same thing, pork belly, same thing, gold, whatever it was. And, uh, and so he's always getting stopped out. Because, uh, you know, a lot of commodity traders, whenever you put a trade in, you put a stop in case you're wrong. Anyway, so he starts keeping track of how early he was. And he was a math guy, being a navigator. So he starts doing regression analysis on all this stuff. And he finds out that every single commodity has a different delay on it. Um, it you know, he wasn't on, didn't do much on the equities. And there weren't even really any S&P futures at that time uh, when he first started this. But he found out that, like, soybeans might have a four-day delay. Uh, I think pork bellies had, like, an eight-day delay. I would never have guessed that, Kevin. But he did all the math on it, so he, all of a sudden he starts making a lot of dough. Because if he... If he, if he Sees a buy in soybeans. You no, know, this is all probably changed by now. But he, when he saw buy in soybeans, he'd he'd wait four days before he went along soybeans. And all of a sudden, he's making money on you know seventy percent of the trades, which is pretty freaking good, and uh, it goes to the races, you know. And uh, but then he didn't like Clinton. He bails out Arizona. He ends up being in Arizona, being this massive developer, almost as big as Keating, but he didn't go to jail because uh, he managed. He saw the economy was was like now it was heating up. He got out of something like 53 partnerships in the six months before the crash in uh, whatever the hell that was, uh, the, the uh, 1980-something, the Resolution Trust. 
Yeah, yeah, the, uh, what was that, like 88 and yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I mean, just a fascinating guy. But the amazing part was there was always a delay to this. And he and he figured out that the and delays. Once, once he figured out the uh, the time lag, he, yeah. was, uh, he was ahead of everybody else. But he could never figure out why they were all different. Like why corn was different than beans by a couple of days. Why they, they were different than wheat by a couple of days. And, and why, you know, I think pork bellies was the longest. It was like two weeks or something. Well, that that would be a good thing to know, but not a necessary thing to know. Once you you, you just know that it is, and that yeah. that gives them the advantage you needed. Um, Kevin, what do you say we head off the break and we come back? Let's dig into a little bit what's going on with the the, the, the college football and the portals and stuff, and uh, how this is all playing out. SP futures up uh, thirty three now, and Nasdaq futures up one ninety nine. This is a massive two day rally here so far. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Big Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 32 now. NASDAQ Futures 198. Big mover here is, is Meta. When we started the show, we're up 62. Now we're up 69. There's never a number when this happens that the stock is too high. It's, it's so totally different than than the trade used to be. Uh, I mean, you would. Um, I'm looking at meta earnings here, and again, I'm not telling anybody they should do anything on the on the uh, the quarterly financials and uh, and meta. The earnings per share. What do I got here? Um, roughly is. Uh, where am I getting the right? 
earnings per share 2010 to 2023 the uh the I- the idea that the that the market is uh you know is is a is is a leading indicator okay the annual earnings per share in uh, 2022 was uh, 859 and 2021 it was 1377 so they're roughly talking uh 10 12 nine dollars a share for a while and now I think the last quarter was uh, uh, September 30 of 2023 was 4.39 um, so we're now we're pushing 16 18 20 bucks a year okay so you you might say I mean when I say you might say there was a time when you would look at the market and say here's a stock that's trading you know 400 say well, well why is it trading 400 it's trading 400 because people think the market thinks, which is always supposed to be all-knowing, that the stock is going to do better next time because it, the 400 is not is not justified by $10 a share. Or, or in a 22, $8, $8, $9 a share. So so when, it, when all of a sudden you get your day where you're right, and now all of a sudden they're making 15 or 16, market theory would tell you that the, the stock wouldn't really move anywhere because it's already been anticipated by the all-knowing market. But these days, it doesn't work like that. It's like, okay, now they're making 20 bucks a share. Instead of the stock growing into their old price, they're up 18%. So now there's a new price to grow into. It's like, like it's never enough. It's, it just, it's just kind of, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it is, it is absolutely different. Uh, you know, and, and I think you know, it's something to at least be aware of. doesn't mean you want to trade because of that, but there definitely is a difference. I mean, uh, anyway... The, uh, so the earnings stocks last night, Apple's down 498. Uh, they're the only one that's down. Meta's up 69 at 17%. Amazon is up 11 bucks at 7%. So basically most of the stuff is up on the earnings of last night. Uh, Dow futures are up 50. Um, over in Europe, we've got rallies here as well. Not as much though. DAX up 139.8%. FTSE up 33.4%. Uh, CAC around up 49.7% because they still have central banks coming up with announcements over there after today or whatever. Today, however, is the Labor Day, so we'll have uh, Carl's big day is today. We go through the labor numbers. Uh, Nikkei up 146.4%. Hang Seng, however, not up at all. It's down 32, just a little bit, 0.2%, 15,533. Shanghai down another percent and a half, down 40 bucks, 2730. Uh, I'd love to find out what the exposure of these companies are over there. Nobody's paying attention to that. Uh, Apple, maybe, because it's the only one down. Yesterday, the Dow was up 369, S&P up 60. NASDAQ up 197, so almost as much in the S&P as the day before was down. Uh, not quite in the NASDAQ. NASDAQ was up, was up down uh, 2.2, I believe, on Wednesday, and it was up 1.3 yesterday. So, But now, today, we're back, I think, over where we were. So we're, it's all back, all good. Ten-year up 2 basis points, 3.88. The Bund up 2 basis points, 2.16. Japan down 3 basis points, 0.66. Oil uh, up 4 cents, 73.86. Rent up eight cents, seventy-eight, seventy-eight. Natural gas unchanged, Arbab unchanged. So quiet in that patch. Gold, which had a run up, uh, up another dollar seventy to two thousand and seventy-two. Now this is the April contract. The April contract was higher than the February contract. So the one we were talking about last week is twenty bucks less. So gold has a. Uh, uh, you're paying more for gold as you go out. Silver up nine cents, twenty-three thirty-three. Copper up one, down one cent, three eighty-three. Crypto. Of 130, 43,166, and the U.S. dollar uh, down just a little. The euro up seven basis points, and British pound up ten. So not much going on there. 
Greg, a lot of stuff there. What do you got traffic weather sports? A lot of stuff. 638 here in Chicago. 39 today, up to about 40. Clouds most of the day for us. 53 in Phoenix now, and 61. Uh, so a little bit cooler with some scattered rain most of the day in Phoenix. Kennedy in from Montrose, it's 10 minutes. From Lake Cook into the interchange, 23 minutes. Eisenhower Wolf to the interchange, 19 minutes. The Ryan from 95th to the interchange, 17 minutes. And the inbound Stevenson from 294 is 29 minutes. Um, we got a couple sports, a um, little bit of sports news in that the Olympics, there's going to be a competitor to the Olympics from uh, Peter Thiel, who's a VC guy, and they're going to make performance-enhancing drugs legal. So they're funding the enhanced games, and it's supposed to rival the Olympics, which allow athletes to use performance-enhancing drugs open and honestly. So that's uh, news. Also... Uh, so we are, we're encouraging that? What if they all croak when they're 40? I don't know, but it does seem interesting, and the online community was 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 kind of uh, stoked about it, so we'll see what happens. Also, uh, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews saved a woman's life. That was on a flight from Baltimore to Phoenix, so she had a problem, and uh, Andrews is a type 1 diabetic. He got up from his seat and then asked a bunch about her blood sugar, and he had a diabetic testing kit. I guess they... They helped the lady, and paramedics treated her when the flight landed. So, some uh, good news. Well, That's that all I got, Chief. Back I, to you. I was on a, a flight that had a medical issue once. It was interesting. Ever tell you about that, Kevin? It was a. Were you the medical issue? No, no. But well, I was. Good. Then yes, then it's interesting. Um, <laughs> when it's not, when it's you, it's not interesting. Well, this was. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it? Uh, we were on a DC-10, and I had the first. First row in, uh, in coach, right? So I'm right behind the first class section. And we were, it was interesting in a lot of reasons because <clears throat> we were like exactly between Denver and Vegas. And there's really no place to land a DC 10 between Den- Denver and Vegas unless it might be an army base somewhere, but they weren't going to do that. So you had a, they had to determine, so a lady was having an asthma problem up in first class. And at that time, there was no when, when, you, when they when you say the oxygen drops drops out of the ceiling if there's a problem with the you know the plane, it's it's not really oxygen. It, it's air. It's 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 for you to breathe, but it's the same it's the same content of oxygen as regular air. So it's it's not they're not dropping oxygen at you. They're dropping the the, the normal amount of oxygen in the air. So they don't they didn't have oxygen tanks. That were like almost pure oxygen, where you could help an asthmatic, right? So I mean, there is a difference. I mean, yep. I don't, uh, so having, having raised one, I know that. Yeah. So the so the all of a sudden they go. The pilot goes. We're going to have to head right into Vegas. So we're having the, the stewardesses come by and uh, flight attendants and pick up everybody's drinks and whatever early and so forth. And uh, and you got to put your seat belts up because so all of a sudden you can feel a plane like kick up kick up in, in uh, speed a little bit, and the ground is just, like, whisking by. <laughs> and uh, so, so, of course, they ask if there's a doctor on the flight, and some guy gets up and walks up there, and the guy the guy looks like a, a movie star, right, in addition to being a doctor. All of a sudden, all the stews are getting together. God, do you think we can get his phone number? <laughs> anyway, the guy went up, and he did what he did, and Kevin, the, the plane went into a, a slight dive, so I don't know how fast the guy was going, but we basically... 
hit hit the, just on a slight downward. The guy hit the runway in Vegas. We got there so fast it was unreal. And they had the ambulance, and she was fine. I mean, she ended up being okay. So everybody was a everybody cheered everybody for doing a good job and the whole bit. And, and they really did. They really did. I mean, uh, they snapped to it. They were very well trained. Nobody bitched that their drink got taken away from them. I mean, people acted like they were supposed to. And the pilot got him there as fast as he could. But he was he, he couldn't have been within a mile of the middle between Denver and Vegas. And he says, we're right in the middle. I'm mean, going to just keep going. No point in going back. By the time we turn around, it'll take us longer to go back. So we kept going. So put the hammer down and let's go. We put the hammer Well, the, the stewardess comes by and I go, by the way, would I would I be uh, fair in saying the pedal is to the metal? She goes, you'd be more than fair in saying that. She goes, we're moving. <laughs> anyway, it was kind of fun. We're not after the little. Well, she ended up okay. So what, that wasn't fun for her, but she ended up all right. So that was good news. Um, Kevin, what, what's going on? We haven't talked about it since the nine people left uh Got in the portal in AS was it Arizona in, in thirty minutes or something? Is that toned down at all, or is it still f- happening? No, it's it's still happening, and uh, especially where there have been coaching changes, that it's been a big deal. But you know, the, I, I think the there, there's a good lesson out of all of this uh, portal stuff and the chaos there, because there's a lot of people who look at go, oh, this is this isn't why I like college sports, and it you know it's changed and it's not you know. Uh, it, it's it's ruining the sport and so on, and and I think the lesson that we that needs to be learned from it is that if when you make radical changes to the rules and still try and operate under the old construct, it's not going to work. And we found that in uh, elsewhere in the world uh, a couple of years ago when they said your business can't open. Yeah. Uh, you know this this business can't open. This one can, uh, and uh, everybody's got to stay home. And you know we we radically upset the apple cart. Which businesses survived, and which ones had to fold their tents? And what were the reasons for that? And um, you know I, I've, I've talked before about you know wh- whether you like the uh, the construct or not, but I've talked about in- infinite game thinking. The idea being that your first priority when you're operating a business, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about at, at the beginning, is your first priority as a business is to keep in business, stay in business. That everybody, you know, when you, you we we tend to think it's all centered around you know quarterly profitability, and and in many cases that is the focus of the business, or annual profitability, or five year. You, you can pick any any time horizon. But when you do that to the exclusion of what is it that's going to keep you in business, um, it, it, it's it's going to uh, uh, you, you're going to pay a price for that. And you know we we can go back to 2008 and say the same thing when when everything changed, who survived, who didn't. Um, and you can even look at it and say, well, you know, it looks to me like somebody engineered those changes. Well, you know, maybe so, but it doesn't matter. People who figured it out quickly and adapted were the ones who stayed alive and are, are still in business today. And, you know, I think that's, you know, when we, we go back to this, uh, you know, to the college athletics uh, construct, you know, some people have figured it out and figured out how to thrive in that environment. And some people have fought against it. Heck, I remember you, you can go back to when college basketball started allowing the three-point shot. <laughs> you, you remember Digger Phelps? 
for Notre Dame. He he just thought it was a bad shot, so he discouraged anybody from taking it. Much, no, you know what? I, his, I'm not so to his detriment. I'm not so sure that he wasn't right in a lot of ways. I watch some of these pro games, and all these teams are behind every. It's a, it's like going to a playground. First guy over half half court shoots from the three point line. If they miss five in a row, then the game's totally out of control. That, yeah, but that's bad basketball. Whether it's two pointers or three pointers, true. It, 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 you know, they, well, except they, but except they have the the stats behind them saying the three pointers a good shot. Yeah. Well, here's how here's the stats and the stats. You know, this is this has been a lot of discussion in the NFL. Is what do the analytics say? They quote the analytics. And they talk about that all the time. Says so go for it on fourth down. I think Kyle Shanahan had the uh, had a great quote. He he said the analytics don't tell you whether my guard can block your three technique. <laughs> right. It depends on who's there. Yeah. So it does depend on who's there. So you know the, the these uh, announcers have they, they have no understanding about it. No. All they know is that the numbers say that if you go for it on fourth down and less than three yards, this percentage of the time it gets converted. But that's not how you make decisions. That's how you not, that not how you make decisions on anything in the world. That's informative. That's good data. But unless you are able to then break it down and say, yeah, what how what happens if I go for it on fourth down and less than three against the 49ers? What happens if I do it against the Baltimore Ravens versus what happens if I do it against um, oh you know pick you know the Bears. And, and and it what would be interesting to know about that is you, you think, well, you know, who has the better defense, the Ravens or the Bears? You know, the the interesting stat to know would be, yeah, but who has the better defense against fourth and short? Because right. that's not always the better yeah, defense. You could you could have the world's crappiest defense and they could have three all pro linemen on it. Yeah. Yeah. So how how many times have you told have I said to you personally that what the data does is it leads you to ask the next good question. It informs how you ask the next question. And that's, you know, this is, and, and so whether you want to talk about uh, adapting to the portal rules, adapting your business to changing environment, uh, what, whatever it is that uh, you want to do, it, the data is going to lead you to start asking the right questions. Now you brought up to the questions you have to ask. To be able to well, you, well, to you're, stay in business. I think the, there are two questions here that your your uh, good soliloquy here is popped up in my feeble brain. Here is uh, two things: how do you define your business? But the part you're talking about, you know, whether you go for it on first and f- first and whatever, and I, that level of data, and whether it's predictive or not. When I was in Chicago, they they had first they were the first place. Not a lot of places have it. They were the first place to have the Institute for, how was it? Institute for uh, um, Study of Securities or some, something like that, where they actually got the data system for every stock in the New York Stock Exchange. Now again, New York Stock Exchange had a whole different rules than the, than the Nasdaq system and so forth, so it doesn't follow everybody. They had every single stock and every trade since like you know 1900 or some crap, and uh. They did all the statistical analysis on everything, and they started talking about technical analysis, which, you know, we talk about on the show once more. I'm, I'm no technical analyst at all, but I know the systems, I know, well, I know what the, the system's names are, and I know basically how they're constructed, but I could never, I, I would never look at a chart and say, you know, I, I know this, this, is this. Well, they went through, Kevin, and there's, there's like a level of mathematics, and, you know, I was pretty good at defined mathematics, but, I, you know, there's other stuff I was never all that good at. 
it's it's way more uh, I don't know you have to have more, almost almost an artist's mind rather than a math, math guy's mind to notice it but there's a level of mathematics where you can look at like head and shoulder stuff and double penance and things like that and and you can go back and you can you can actually show that there are things that are like head and shoulders there's all this, all the different terms people use in technical analysis that they do happen but the math is not strong enough any time during when it's happening to say it's happening now or it's predictive so it's actually very similar to what you're talking about you know and fourth down you should go for it you know 80% of the time so in other words the the the, the study showed that yes there are in fact head and shoulders patterns but nowhere when the pattern is happening, is, is can a, can a, you know, statistics tell you you're in the middle of it, so buy it or sell it. Well, and the statistics won't tell you what's going to happen the next right. time either. You know, right. So it's, it's, not, it's never going to be perfect. You're just playing probabilities. But the, one of the things that comes into play there, too, is, though, uh, you know, that, when you, that the data is available to get more granular about this, but, the pro, but if, you look, if you go back and you look at Detroit, is Dan Campbell looking at that when he makes that decision? I would say no, because he goes for it every single time, no matter who the other team is. So he, See, I, he, I is think that at, he is looking at macro numbers, and he's a slave to the macro numbers that don't necessarily apply uh, to the opponent that in front of him. I think it's more he's a slave to his own reputation. Uh, it, well, that could be. You know, you know, um, you know what it reminds me of is uh, the Notre Dame coach when we, when we played Ohio State in. Uh, South Bend was it two years ago? We lost by three points or two points on the, the goal line play. That, that was last year. Last year, well, he was to, he, before the game. He said he was going to be aggressive. So the Irish got the ball went all the way down the field. Instead of kicking the field goal, he went for it. and They didn't make it. Yeah, he did that because he yeah, felt he, he left points on the table. In, in yeah, a very he, close game. he he. I think he did it because he, I told people I was going to be aggressive, so I have to be. There was no reason for him not to kick on that on that thing, none whatsoever. Just like Dan Campbell. Yeah, I, I think you run into that a lot, and that's uh, and that that is just because people don't really understand how to use data. They don't understand how to turn data into information. They consider data to be information. We saw that during the, um, you know, all the COVID nonsense. Uh, you know, what did we get? Did we get? You know, how how well, did, uh, how good a job did we get from media just saying, well, here's the trend. Here's the trend among people of certain ages. We got a little of it, but not much. Most of all, it was just give me the big scary numbers. Well, yeah. we hit our millionth case today, or our six hundred thousandth death today, or whatever you know, whichever one you want to do, and you know that that's just such an abuse of uh, of data instead of you know uh, using it to inform people. Well, the other that, part that, uh, that that's that's real common. I I think we're nitwits when it comes to how we use data. Well, uh, I'm not so how, sure how a lot of people use data. I think policyholders are always concerned about where the money is, so they use data. They they use the data to do what they want to do anyway, which is even scarier. Um, but I have a question for you regarding my. I mean, if you were in town here, I don't know if you'd want to subject yourself to it. But uh, some of my guys that I get together with during the week are all absolutely sports fanatics, right? Um, one one guy can't can't wait. He's doing the numbers on the Sox new stadium on the south side. I'm going. Why why would you ever take a minute of your time worrying about if Reinsdorf makes another dime? But yet, that's what people do. We all know that. People are sports fanatics. And by the way, I fall into that trap a little myself. But, but two comments. One, on the on the, the portal stuff, there, is, there are still some people who remember 
what college sports, you know, when I'm going to talk about Andy Mayberry here, sort of used to be. I mean, I was in, I was in ten economics classes with Dave Casper and his wife. His then, well, he wasn't, she wasn't his wife then. Became his wife. Your brother Tim used to used to tutor uh, a lot of the guys on the football team. And became really good friends with them because he knew statistics, and those guys didn't. <laughs> and Tim was helping them out. So it, there was a, there was there's this implied camaraderie that these people are students, pretty much just like everybody else most of the time. Now we always knew there was a little difference, but you know not that much a difference. The guys in the same class I am. I mean, look at the hockey players. I mean, how many times I played golf with Ian Williams for God's sake, and he was an All American hockey uh, player. You know, uh, the number of times I sat and got stoned with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm saying, you know, all of a sudden, it's 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 obviously not that way, in in some cases, in, in a real lot of cases. So people sit there and go, why, why, why am I going to go watch this guy? He's he's nothing but a hired hired hand for the year. It's like going to see a pro game, which it, it closely is. But the other one, Kevin, is is you 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 kept talking about the business, and I keep saying to to you and the listeners and to my buddies. You're not defining the business intelligently, which is not a shot at anybody, because the business of the Northwestern football program is a business, okay? And they may, you know, spray off some money toward the other uh, stuff where you say, well, they're paying for the, the girls' swim team or some other crap. But by and large, they're probably eating up 80 to 90 percent of the money that they make just by salaries and by people they don't need and all the other kind of. I mean, the the, the, the football program at Notre Dame has to have such a massive budget compared to when we were there. We wouldn't even see that the, the zeros that run off our eyes, Kevin. But the, but the business of Notre Dame is not football. The business of UCLA is not football. The business of, of UCLA has got 11 billion dollar budget. Football, as much as it's gone crazy, can't be 200 million of that. Maybe they make $40 million and spray it towards the other teams, uh, the other sports. But the fact is, UCLA, it, it would be like a fart in a hurricane if they got rid of football, money-wise. makes no difference at all. I mean, North, Northwestern's business is not football. Neither is Notre Dame. I mean, they love it. We love it. But th- th- these places, none of them would die if, they, if, they foot, if this football went out. What, what do you think Alabama's budget is compared to the football team? I bet the football team eats up 90% of their revenue. It, it, it's it's not even a part of well, some people would say it's not even part of the business of the University of Alabama well and, and there is also understanding what the business of the uh, college athletics is because you're you're right that people will say well this you know this also makes sure that we have funding for um, the tennis team and the rowing team and the things that really are more like you know what college sports was supposed to be um, that it was going to be it was going to be an extracurricular activity that it was going to be something you know where uh they're they're you're talking about students who are you know really our students you can talk about funding all of those but i i would i would turn it around and say that's not the reason uh you know that's not what's going on here it is that those sports are justifying the business model that they use to not pay <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah. football players salaries from the uh uh, from the college, and so you know, it's it's they're they're part of the expense of running a football program, not the other way around. There's got to be 12, 12 levels to this chess game, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and and I think a lot of people do understand it. I don't think a lot of fans understand it, but I think a lot of uh, uh, 
you know, I, I certainly think most of the athletic administrators do, and it's kind of a, uh, you know, a cynical uh, outlook on uh, on how this all works because they're what they're saying for public consumption and what they're, you know, what the reality is are two different things. Well, I mean, if you look at this, the schools, University of Chicago, you know, they were in the Big Ten. They won, they the first Heisman Trophy winners in the University of Chicago, which probably nobody knows. And uh, they just said, screw it. And, then they, and they got them. What a division! What is it now? Division two team or something? They're not very good. Uh, well, well I don't even think they're division two. They're probably uh, well. They play. Uh, they're a very low level. What what are, what are all, what are the little colleges in Illinois? What what are they? What, what's the dif- the uh, the difference between well, there, like there's, a t- there's division one. There's there's the one double A, what they call the uh, uh, FCS, the uh, championship division, versus the bowl division. But then there's uh, division two. Division three, NAIA, which is a, a, a lower level still. Um, so there, there's there's just a lot of different levels. I'd have to go look up what USC is. Well, because they're, they're they play like Augustana. I think they play. Uh, who's the uh, who's the school in Omaha? It's the uh, in the Big East basketball wise. Uh, Creighton. Yeah, I think they might play Creighton, but but they're not as good as like Toledo and those teams. No, Toledo yeah. is the uh, major division. Okay. And what, what is like Buffalo? Where did the guy in? Uh... Buffalo is in the Mid America Conference with Toledo and Miami. All right, so they're, so, all right, so they're they're Nick right. Saban started at Toledo. Okay, so they're they're right they're right below. Uh, well, uh, Eris started at Miami Ohio, right? Yeah, and and they're in the same division as uh, the you know the SEC and the uh, Big Ten and all those that 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 conference is. It's it's kind of a little you know a. a, a it's considered a level down in terms of competitive level, but it's it, it is in that. When you start thinking about um, the the next level below that, the the one dub what you know was often called one double A or was for a long time called one double A. You're talking about Western Illinois, Eastern Illinois, uh, Illinois State. You know the, those kinds of schools. All right, hey Kevin, before you dash, because Carl's probably already on the line. Um, a little a little snippet here that Greg just sent me. According to uh, Yahoo Finance, the average American household owns 10000 in credit card debt, 58000 in student loans, 241000 in mortgage, and 22600 in auto loans. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, it is, and uh, one, of, one of our regular listeners, David, posted about uh, uh, a Japanese bank that wrote down the value of its non-performing uh, office loans by 58%, including a 63% reduction in Chicago and between 51 and 59% in New York, D.C., L.A., and San Francisco. So, you know, there's there's some bad stuff happening. I'll be It'll be interesting to uh, hear the numbers today, but I, isn't today the uh, day they true up for last year? So there's a big adjustment, so we might see a really big number for uh, jobs. Well, I also... Really isn't really the truth. Well, just as a lead-in, which you're supposed to do when you're a host, two lead-ins. One is on Monday, uh, Jan Flanagan is going to have some numbers. A couple, couple of buildings here in Chicago that had mortgages of like three-something just sold for like one-something. I mean, really low. And he, he probably could figure out who the, who the buildings are. I couldn't. Jan probably can. The other is, uh, um, what the was the other thing I was going to mention? That the, uh, oh, the, the guy Jeffrey Gunlack was on uh, TV the other day, and they give him like an hour. You know, and he, he's pretty bright. I mean, it's not like he's an idiot. He surely isn't. Uh, and uh, and he was talking about how he, did, he, he didn't come flat out and say it like you and I and Carl do, that 
we think they're lying to us. But he said something to the effect that uh, every state puts out their unemployment and stuff too, which I, I didn't know. Uh, and I, of course, I immediately fled with, fled to Carl with that number. Uh, and he said 85% of the states are showing unemployment going way up or going up pretty drastic, going up steadily. And uh, none of the national numbers showed. He goes, how, how does that work? So we, instead of saying, like we might, hey, these guys are just lying to us, he goes, these numbers don't match. So hopefully... Well, uh, the PLS actually puts out state and county numbers, too. Well, maybe, maybe um, anyway, but Carl was going to take a look at about, it for us. There's about a, a month time lag in, the, in those uh, reports being available. Um, but they are, you know, they are out there. And all you have to do is, you know, you could, uh, uh, you could put out, um, you could just do a, a search and just say uh, BLS Cook County or something like that. Well, SP futures are up four. Nasdaq futures are one ninety three. Why don't you just go right to, right to Carl Greg since he's he's already here, I believe. Oh yeah, you could do that. Um, so you're supposed to have all this info for us today. You're, uh, first thing, by the way, uh, any comment on the stuff that Kevin and I were saying? Um, you, you mean like Meta? Well, Meta. That's my, that was. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're we're in bizarre world on these valuations. The question is, is if if is the part that really gets me, uh, Carl, is it? It used to be, when you see a stock run up from you know fifty to sixty, and you go, "Why is that happening?" And all of a sudden, the earnings come out like way better than you thought. Merely helping your mind was, well, other people knew the earnings or had access to the growth. I'm not saying they were told by the company, but their analysts realized that the suppliers are shipping them more stuff. Well, whatever it was, the market would lead into the number, and then the day it happened, the thing would be like unchanged or maybe up a buck. That doesn't happen anymore. The numbers come out and they're good, and the thing like doubles from there, which is kind of weird. Well, it's yeah. I mean, one of the <laughs> one of the things that that always happens in manias, and uh, certainly the Fed and and their policies and the policies of the government uh, have fed those, well, especially since the crash in two thousand eight. Uh, I mean, let's be realistic. Slamming the the rate of borrowing to negative which makes all sorts of things that are not economic all of a sudden work they pencil out uh, doing that for the space of close to 10 years uh, is actually we're pushing 14 yeah it's going to incul it but it inculcates 16. it inculcates some very bad behavior in people okay i mean it's it, it's sort of like i mean if you think about it this way it's you know the the neighborhood drug pusher hands out free samples, right? Why does he hand out free samples? Because he knows he's going to get you hooked, and once you're addicted, you'll you know you'll sell the the you know the paneling off your house to get another one, right? <clears throat> so or your mother, yeah. So I mean, and that's the you know that's the the model, okay? And we have had a very long period of time now where. Congress has been led to believe that deficits don't matter. I mean, you know, we've we've heard that all the way back to Reagan's time, right? Bush's. Um, but you've also got the same sort of thing, uh, in a sense, uh, in in the technology sector in particular. Although not just there. I mean, one of the things, you know, you you look at where the largest problems in the, from that belly of the curve that I I keep discussing where they, where they come from. And the biggest issue is, and, and again, I, 
I'm listening to gun to CNBC after the Fed thing because you know they carry the conference live. Okay, the the, the, soft, it, the, the softball boy. If I pitch in softball like that, to be all home runs. Well, yeah, exactly. But then after that, of course, they have their parade of horribles. All the people that they have on that are are cheerleading for this and that, right? And it's uh, you know it's one after another. They, the Fed has to cut rates, blah blah blah, and 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 of course, Gunlock's one of them. Oh yeah, that get, that gets on in this prey. He's he's always one of the people that they have on, and that, and you know I get it. You know they've got their list. They don't want people like me because I'll throw a couple truth bombs at them, and then you know then you don't get invited back. By the way, but, that that happened to me. Um, I'm blackballed. Well, I wasn't exactly blackballed, but well, I well I yeah. am, and I know I am because I have I know people that work at some of the networks, and they've told me I'm on a blacklist. Oh yeah, I don't think yeah. I'm on. I'm not on an official blacklist, but I, I went on one day to talk about Walmart earnings, and it was it was right when uh, Warren Buffett had bought the Burlington Northern. And yeah. So they so, yeah. they so they asked me, uh, so Tom, what do you think about that? And I said, Well, you're kind of in my field, right? I kind of know something about railroads. I said, <laughs> well, the, I said the Burlington Nor- Nor- uh, Northern is a monopoly in that area. It's the the three areas, the three tracks that were through there, the Great Northern, the Northern Pacific, and the Northwestern, all became the Burlington Northern. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and, it, and they've just discovered oil up there, and he's got a monopoly. <laughs> they couldn't wait to get me off. But, I mean, it's true. Uh, uh, well, of course. You know, I mean, well, uh, I mean, I, it, it, was, it, was all, it was all love and, uh, love Actually, and North, roses. Uh, correction, Northwestern is not, uh, Northwestern was the Union Pacific, but the big players up there were the Great Northern and the Northern Pacific, and they bought both of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's the same, you know, everything was love and roses until I went after some of the sacred cows, you know, the, the you know, the investment bankers and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, so right. then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden you're not invited back anymore and you're on a blacklist. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that persists even to this day. Okay. Which is kind of interesting because I, during the COVID stuff, I, I had somebody that wanted to book me and I, and I, they were told, no, you can't. Um, so, but the, what I thought was interesting about Gunlock was that, he, uh, he came out and said, deficits are going to be the issue, both this presidential election, but especially the next term and forward. Okay, And oh, by the way, the biggest problem in the world is so within the federal deficit system and, and what's going to blow up in everybody's face is Social Security. Well, I've, <laughs> I've been pointing this out now for 20 years, and I'm not going to shut up about it because he's lying. He's, and, and by the way, way I, I saw I, I saw your breakdown, and we've talked about that. Can I, can I back up on you just a second? When you say, "Well, I, well I, yeah. let, let me let me make this point," I, right. I say he's lying because Gunlack is not stupid, and it is certainly possible for him with ten seconds to pull up the monthly Treasury statement for the lat the end of the fiscal year, which has the entire twelve months in it. Okay, and get out a calculator, or if he wants to use Excel, he could use Excel. Uh, but all you need is a calculator. Get out a calculator and figure out where the revenue is coming in, where it's being spent, and what percentage of the spending is covered. It is not complicated, guys. Oh yeah, I I, I agree. I but to go back to your your budget your budget statement where people say deficits don't matter. There there's there's another line there that everybody forgets to, to say. It, it, the the new world of, of budgets don't or deficits don't matter is they don't matter as long as the growth of the economy is a, a slight hair faster 
than the growth in the debt. Because if you extend it out, then you're okay. So if, if my debt is $10 trillion and the next year it grows 1%, but the economy grew 1.001%, I'm then okay. Then you're in balance. You're okay. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the idea that we're ever going to pay it off, that that's never going to happen. It, it's well, like, now, it's like now a remember so, Yeah, but remember something, Chief, and this is, and this is very important, okay? And this is... Where does the where does the actual expansion in real terms? Where does the growth in real terms come from? And the answer is it comes from one place and one place only, and it always has throughout all of recorded. Well, history it comes from people. It, it comes from uh, and it comes from some uh, uh, productivity. It comes it comes from productivity. Yeah, all it, of it, it does. Yeah, all of it ultimately comes from productivity. Okay, now you could say, well, you know, but not like today. Well, you get population adds too. Well, I understand. Yeah, that, yeah. But but the thing is, is that when you get down to it, on a per capita basis, on a, on a per capita output basis, it comes from productivity, always. Okay, That's the only place it comes from. And all human progress has come from productivity improvement. We, you, know, you go from, I'm digging up the ground myself, to I'm using an ox. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then, you know, then we figure out how to use steam engines, then we figure out how to use you know, petroleum. and yeah, All of it comes from that. Now... Who deser- who should get the better standard of living from that productivity? E- economically, it should be everybody gets a piece. That's right. It should be the people who did it should get the benefit, right? I mean, that's the, you know. But if you start siphoning it off by using inflation as a tool, what you're doing is you're saying, well, Joe, Joe illegal migrant over here gets it. You don't. All right. And governments and other entities can you know put their thumb on the scale in a big way or several bricks in some cases um so you know it's not as clean as everyone would like but the reality of it is is that we have when you when you look at where the deficit is going all right the reality of the last 20 years is that the entire problem has been in one place and that's in CMS and now we've added to this with this migrant situation, there was, uh, and I've I haven't gone through the math in enough detail to be able to you know put my finger on it and say okay these guys are absolutely right. But there's there's quite a bit of research that's been done here. Four hundred billion dollars last year. Now that is a quarter of the federal deficit. That is not a small number. All right. Well, I as usual. If they say, be it the mayor of Chicago, this, the governor, or the federal government, that $400 billion is being spent on migrants, I'm going to say that maybe 80 made it to the migrants. Just like every other program. Oh, I'm not saying people aren't stealing it. Of course they are. Well, they're just, they'd be stealing something else. But, when, but to break what you, what you said earlier, break that down to more minutiae, that's why it, it's not minutiae. That's why when you see in the last let's say eight years, with the last two presidents, oh God, the, th- the thought of these guys, I just got something where somebody wants Trump's picture up on, uh, where's, the, where's the mountain with all the presidents? Oh, we're going to do Rushmore, yeah. I'd yeah, do, I mean, do, like, do, come do. on, come on. Uh, but the, the, the people that are supposed to be sober in this are the Congressional Budget Office. If you compromise right. them, if, if whenever you have a bill now, if, if you take, put together what you said earlier, Deficits don't matter. So when you come up with a bill that's supposed to be accretive 
to this growth to where all of a sudden uh, next year our growth is going to be 1.2 percent while our our, our uh, deficit growth is going to be one we're, we're, we should be constantly trying to increase that spread correct I mean if if we take this new philosophy that the number of the deficit doesn't matter it's the growth okay well you don't go there with the Trump tax cut and say it's going to be accretive to the budget when in fact what is it a trillion in a hole I mean it was never a third grader wouldn't have said that those tax cuts were going to make things positive. And then this guy's infrastructure plan where everybody in the bad neighborhoods is going to have 5G, so they're all going to go to work, and, and it's all going to be accretive. I mean, what, what, what are they smoking? So once you compromise the con- congressional budget office or, or lie to them or something or don't give them enough time to do the analysis properly, whatever you do, the whole idea that the, 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 the some logic in – the uh, deficits don't matter. It's the growth totally falls apart, I think. So now you're, you're, you're right back left with nothing, right, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's but that's the problem, is that if we're going to actually solve issues, the first thing you have to do is name them, okay, and cut with the BS about, you know, making fake stuff up that isn't real. You have to put the actual name on things, and you have to put the label where it belongs. And then you can analyze it, and you can say, okay, what are we going to do about it, all right? But you cannot do that as long as you have people like Gunlock running around saying Social Security is the issue when Social Security last fiscal year ran a 15% operating deficit. Medicare ran an 85% Well, Social Security had to, be, had to be helped by all the people that died in COVID. Well, so, yeah, interestingly enough, Chief, a couple of years ago, I, I don't remember if it was one year ago or two years ago, a couple of years ago, Social Security on a cash, now this is all on a cash basis, okay? So this is, you know, dollars in, dollars out, with the cash flow statements, which is what the MTS is. On a cash basis, Social Security actually turned a very small surplus. Now, it wasn't very big. No, no, okay, when you say Social Security, you're talking about the old age FICA. pension. O- OASDI, including disability. Okay, but the disability has grown like a weed. Well, it is now. Yeah, because it's, it's long-term it, unemployment, basically. Well, exactly. But the, the well, and and you know, then the but the thing is, is that when you look at it on a and and again, this is operating deficits. Okay, this is not long-term. You know, because there's there is a bond buffer in there for all of this. So just on an operating basis, on a cash operating basis. CMS, which is Medicare and Medicaid, ran an 85, only 15% approximately of their spending was covered by a concurrent tax receipt. All right. Now, what's even more ridiculous is that nearly twice the tax receipts were handed to the states for Medicaid in block grants. Yeah, well, right. I, I'm going to say that if you. So I mean, so so if you think about it, that means that Medicare was not only one hundred percent uncovered; it was negative. I don't, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm the Social Security piece. I'm going to say if you up the retirement age by like six months, you probably cover it. Well, so the maybe, yeah, maybe they, a year, they, but it, it wouldn't take much. But chief, remember they've already screwed everybody by changing all that stuff retroactively a couple of times. Right? That was the Greenspan Commission and all that stuff, right? Well, but you're, the, you're it's still sixty-five, and you're and you're down to well, 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 no, it's not. It's sixty-seven for full. But you can, but you no. can, you can get in on it at sixty-two. Uh, which, uh, oh, now be very, very careful. 
All right, so this is one of the things that Obama did to people. If you do that, that counts towards Maggie, and it will screw you on your Obamacare insurance. And if you're retired, you can't get Medicare until you're 65. Right. So if you are crazy enough, and I know there are people that, you know, they take it at 62 because they have to, all right? But you need to be really careful with the implications of that because you can essentially have all of your Social Security clawed back by losing that Obamacare subsidy. You can, you can literally lose all of that money. Well, and I mean, they, the, when, you, when you talk about what, what they do in taxes, and again, we're going to shift the labor here pretty soon because before, before the, the thing comes out, you're going to predict how the, the uh, million, million person shift last month between household and others is going to somehow come back, come back to either match up or haunt us even more. But uh, my, you know, when, they, when they talk about um, how inflation benefits the government. I mean, never, people forget, and of course, it's, you know, it's the rich people state, so nobody gives a crap, right? The idea that you can only deduct uh, $10,000 of your state and local taxes that nobody talks about anymore, right? Uh, is If you go buy a car now, I mean, it's very easy to buy a car for hundred grand. Well, in Chicago, the tax on that's going to be nine grand. Right. So if, so if you own a home, none of that is, is deductible. Because if you're already paying ten and the other stuff, that that's absurd. That that, that that you that you start getting taxed on tax, and that, oh yeah, but what else is new? Well, but I'm saying it, it, before the when when cars were they weren't, but when 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 uh, when before the incredible largesse of the Federal Reserve, when that law was passed, cars weren't a hundred grand; they were sixty. Well, seventy. They were up like they're up like forty percent. Okay, so every little thing that happens with the inflation world, the federal government is the biggest benefactor. So right. don't don't think for a second when when a, when a jamoke like Powell gets up there, and starts talking about how hard he's fighting inflation. Inflation is their only, it's their only salvation, both in paying you back money, and, and less of uh, the uh, the money that you that you paid them. Well, except, yeah, true but, okay, and the but is that if they're not very careful with exactly how far they allow that to go, um, if, if you screw too many people too hard in too serious of a way, it is entirely possible for you to get a civilization violating type I of think outcome. I think they are stunned. At how many times they can smack this population on the ass without anybody saying anything? I I think they're I think they're quite surprised that they can do this as often as they have, and there hasn't been a revolt. I I, I, I can't even imagine how many people. I mean, and I don't know that they they listen to the wrong places or what they do. Anybody who had, I mean, I, I know I say this, and people say this guy's out of his friggin' mind. If if you're some guy, like, now we're not in Russia, but if if you're some family in Russia. The in, most people in Russia, from what I understand, and Lou knows more than me, they're, the thing that they would hold sacred is if they could get $100 bills in the U.S. Right. And now all of a sudden, in four years, if they saved up ten grand in $100 bills and that was their, that was their nest egg, that ten grand is worth six. 6200 maybe, if you want to be generous. 
I mean, and the people here, why, why do people here not even not even get that? I mean, there, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So there's, you can only be it. You can't get well, pissed all you off. Do, all you got to do is go in the grocery store. That's obvious what's going saying, on, right? Th- that, that part I get. But I know people that have had money in the bank. For You know, I former clients that said, I'm just going to, I don't want to be part of the market. I'm 80 now. I'm just going to put it in the bank. Five years ago, they put, you know, they put a million and a half dollars in there. And now, now it's worth a million. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it's not the inflation. It's the degradation of, of of your asset. And your asset is the U.S. dollar. Now, last time this happened in the 80s, you got enough interest to cover it. This time you did a million and a half dollars in there. And now, now it's worth a million. Yeah. That's what I, just, that's what, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it's not the inflation. It's the degradation of, of why am I hearing myself of, of your time asset. And your, what are you doing? <laughs> I knew I didn't think that was your voice, Carl. No, my, that was not my voice. That uh, was some weird, some yeah. weird thing. Yeah, I, 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 all right, so how are we going to turn this bus around? And the the let, let's say Gunlack is right, and some of the state reports don't match the other. You mentioned it last month. The the uh, the uh, um, what do you call it? the household did not match the other, and I still am, am uh, astounded by this unemployment. How we determine whether somebody's looking for a job or not? We can we can put 10, 10 million people into we don't know what they're doing column one month. And that count them as unemployed. Well, some of them are unemployed, don't you think? Well, a lot of them are unemployed. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that you know, as I said, the household, you know, the household survey is the unadjusted numbers, the one that I tend to look at on a twelve-month trend. I, it's on a month-to-month basis. It, unless it goes against a seasonal pattern, uh, and sometimes it does. I mean, like last month, I pointed out it, it really did in a bad sort of way. Uh, you know, neg 1.4 million, which usually doesn't happen in December. That's normally a January thing because all the people that got seasonally hired for Christmas get laid off, right? Um, but that that almost never occurs. I mean, I, it, it just doesn't happen in December. It happens in January. Uh, January is a, is a funny month because the adjustments, the annual adjustments are in the January numbers. So we're going to have some fun with this one. Uh, I'm going to have to try to disentangle that, which is, it's always a what is a bundle of joy. Early, early, early fundamental before the. What is your feel on the idea that who, who the hell is? A, I mean, I still think a lot of people have home or, or phones at home, but uh, maybe maybe nobody nobody we know. Uh, I just actually got rid of mine, um, but anyway, the how. Accurate is the household survey without home phones? Um, how do they do it? Well, I think it's fair to assume that they are. You know, remember that what? So this, for a very long time, you've been able to port out of a landline into a mobile. So the distinction of where that line actually goes disappeared an awfully long time ago. When this is, you know, this is this has been true for a great number of years. This is not a new thing. When my mother got seriously ill and was you know was headed headed to you know go meet god ultimately um and it was bad enough that i was worried about the possibility that she would fall and not be able to get up right well she was one of those old luddites like we all used to be that had you know phone was a thing that was on the wall right <laughs> yeah right i mean you know go back to when i was a kid so i i told her i said mom i'm i'm really uncomfortable with this uh, so I ported her line onto a flip phone, 
a pocket flip phone. No, no fancy stuff. Nothing, you know, a phone like a jitterbug, like a jitterbug. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you know, it. Uh, it but the nice thing, you know, those in the modern world, they'll run for a week on a charge. Oh yeah. If you don't yeah. use them much, oh, yeah. right? Because they don't have all the computer stuff in them. They all they are is a phone. They're actually the uh, world, they're still the world's best phones. Well, and so you know, I, I, I ported her landline onto one of those. And stuck it in a FedEx box and overnighted it to her and said, you know, here's your phone. She said, well, you know, I don't know. I, I said, look, it works exactly like the one on the wall. You, you know, when it rings, you, you flip it open, it's there. When you, when you want to make a call, you punch in the numbers, it, it, just like just like your regular phone. She had no problem with that, but it, that made me much more comfortable because, you know, if she was out with friends, it didn't matter where she was. As long as she had that thing in her pocket, she had some way to call if something bad happened. It always and struck me though that the the quality, I mean, from doing the radio show, the the quality is is still not the same as a, on a landline. It used to. It's well, it's better it's now. Get, it's getting better. It's it's considerably better. But you know, the interesting thing is, is that now the all of your calls are actually handled packet wise on modern cell networks, uh, which means that theoretically the call quality should be equal to what you get right now. You know, having this conversation with me on Zoom, which of course they. <laughs> It it isn't right, and yeah. that's and that is specifically because the cell phone companies just don't care to allocate the bandwidth, and and they'd rather allocate the bandwidth to people playing with Facebook. Well, I did some a uh, bunch of expert witness testimony probably ten fifteen years ago, right about when we were starting the show, and I always was appalled that four or five lawyers would get on there, and I would always use a landline, and I couldn't understand half of these guys, and they're charging six hundred dollars an hour, and you can't understand. Pick up the damn phone for God's sake! I mean, Jesus. Oh, well, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, yeah. The terrible thing is, is that you know people got used to that crappy cell phone quality, which was uh, you know which was what it always was when it started, right? Because it was analog. The yeah. original the original networks were analog signals, um, and you know not now. And uh, it's I don't know. I just think it's kind of interesting because you would have thought that when everything went data switched which was when LTE uh, was called VOLTE, voice over LTE, when that showed up in all the cell networks, and that was a, quite a while back. It was before 5G. It was a, That's a 4G technology. Yeah. Um, when that happened, you would have thought that all of a sudden the voice quality would essentially be equivalent to like what we're doing right now with streaming. And it isn't, and the reason it isn't is because the cell carriers, again, they'd rather allocate the bandwidth to somebody looking at cute kitty pictures on Facebook. Um, hey, we, what do you say we got to break early so we can back, we can uh, nail these numbers. SP Futures up 28. We're dipping a little bit before the number. NASDAQ Futures, however, still up 170. Be right back. Uh, we're going to go to like a minute break, and then we'll be right back with these numbers. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. 
Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Well, in Rumpay, Stacks, and Jacks, uh, SP Futures are jumping around here. Uh, unemployment rate, 3.7%. I did not see that. I'm looking at the household survey here. Uh, the futures are only up 850 now. They've dropped in the, the NASDAQ. has dropped like 100. They're only up 80. Uh, what do you say we go right to right to Carl here, and we'll, we'll worry about sports later. Uh, Carl, I got, I'm looking at the bottom line here and the household survey. I've never seen anything like it. we got 400,000 less people. Uh, I, uh, I'm... You know, this, yeah, you, you noticed that, didn't you? Um, by the way, by you, the, Well, their, their number is, what, 383 versus 100 and something estimated, so it's huge. I'm, uh, okay, I'm having some problems with this, uh, with, with uh, this number. Um, yeah, the, um, and, and there's, there's also... Another big problem here in the in the actual figures. So they're saying they're saying plus three hundred and change, right? Uh, well, by the way, nothing. Yeah, three fifty. Right. By the way, nothing says we cook the books better than an unemployment rate that doesn't move for three months straight. Okay, at all. Well, let me, let me give um, the 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 one that nobody's supposed to look at. This is this is bizarre world, and you can take it from here. It's, they got us with four hundred fifty thousand less people. Uh, and the uh, the people over age 16, uh, the amount of people that are in the in the quote um, workforce are are down 200,000, of which 30,000 of that are people employed are actually down a little bit. We've got um, 100,000 less unemployed, which that's where you get the same number, 3.7, and we've got 300,000 people less in the we don't know what they're doing count. I don't know. I've never seen that. It's a bizarre world. Well, um, all right, so there's just right up front, um, gee, did uh, a few hundred thousand people that weren't supposed to die, die? Um, evidently. Maybe, maybe more of, like, you I know, that four, uncorrelated, I got 450 well, actually. You know, that uncorrelated data set thing that I've talked about before, where people either can't tamper with certain things that would like to, or they aren't smart enough to figure out that it's going to show up in another data set. Um, gee, maybe that's at play here. I'm not entirely sure yet. I mean, I'm just looking at the headline, but it's... I, have not, I don't see any other going back except for... But, by the way, here's the other interesting thing that goes with this. Um, on, a, on an unadjusted basis, we're, de- we're neg 1.1 million. That's two months running. Now, that was not... It, if what we saw in December was just a calendar shift... Okay, in other words, we, we picked up the firings in the wrong month, all right, that normally happen coming out of the holiday. Well, most of the firings have been this last week. Well, I, yeah. but I'm saying yeah. if that was the explanation right. for the weird number on, in December, okay, then you should not have seen the firing number that you would expect to see in January show up this January. Well, guess what it did? Uh, it's here. It's neg 1.1 million. 
Um, what, what is? I just happened to glance up the page here. Last year, between December and January, we lost a million, million bodies too. Now we're losing four. So what? What is? What are these guys doing between December and January? We lose people. So okay. So what happens is that there, the the Bureau of Lies and Scams makes a guess on the civilian non-institutional population uh, for every month of the year. And then during the year, the Census Bureau uses, they, they run this thing called ACS, American Community Survey. Uh, if you ever get one of these things, by the way, it's a monster. Okay, it's, it's not this little how many people are living in your house form. It's, it's unbelievable the depth that it goes into. I actually, I actually filled one of those out like two years ago. Yeah, you, I mean, it's, you know, it's random selection that you might get one, right? But it, it's, it's way more than the census form. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's like 20 pages yeah, or more. It's, yeah. this, it's this extremely... In, income, how long you've been there, where's your brother? I mean, it's a family, it's everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a ridiculously invasive survey, all right, in terms of the data it asks for. Um, but that, that is where the BLS gets their, their civilian population data rebasement, every, and then every January they... You know, they go back and they fix. They basically fix their bad guesses every January. This is one of the reasons that January is a tough month for the labor report, because that's that's what they do every January. And so you're always going to see some kind of dislocation in the data in January. And it's and it's not nefarious. It's just that you know now they have this data and they go back and they fix their guess. Do you think the Federal Reserve had this data on Tuesday and Wednesday? Uh, yeah, well, they, of course they did. I, I, mean, I think they probably did, but I guess... The well, meeting... the White House had it a couple of days in advance, too. They always do. Yeah. All right, so, uh, yeah, absolutely the Fed had it. But here's... So here's the other interesting thing about this. So I'm, I'm in the employment um, status by educational attainment. You know, it's one of the... Well, the when, I, when I asked you that question, I wasn't asking a... I'm saying that I should have said if the Fed meeting would have been a week before would they have had I mean, I guess I, how, how, how long before do you think the number is available for the White House and the Fed is it just a couple of days or a week or what uh, my guess would be it's a few days yeah. I, I mean you know it takes time to compile all this stuff right and, yeah. and there, is, there is risk of sitting on it once you have it because it will leak Yeah. right so I mean there's uh, there, you don't want to finish the job too far in advance of when it's going to get used because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know that there's plenty of cheating that goes on in the markets. Of course, we all know that, right? I mean, any game, if somebody can find a way to cheat it, they will. But the, the reality of it is that, uh, you know, there's, there is no value. There's no real value to the government to have this compiled up. And by the way, it's a lot of data. Right? It does oh, take sure. time to you know to do all this and produce this report. I mean, it's not you know it's, it's not okay. We'll just punch in you know punch two buttons on the computer and there it is. It's it's not that simple. All this stuff has to be compiled up. So that's fine. Um, but what I, I'm not seeing any gross dislocations in the educational attainment numbers um, that are out of sync with the others. Which is in in other words, what I'm seeing is that negative. That negative role on the non-institutional population on the, on the workforce uh, is there, and it is rolled through these tables. So it doesn't look like uh, you know some gross amount of tampering, if you will. I don't see that. Um, it, I do see that the that uh, interestingly enough, about uh, you know decent number of people disappeared out of the civilian labor force 
um, in the bachelor's degrees and higher area, and that implies deaths because you can't lose educational attainment. Okay, so if you go from less than a high school diploma and all of a sudden you disappear out of that civilian labor force segment, uh, well, you probably got a high, you probably didn't die, you probably got a high school diploma, right? Now you're in the high school graduate column. Okay, but now but what, somewhere along the line here, last year was worse because it was a million people. When, when during the year, I mean, I, I guess you could just use your estimates every month for 12 and have the, the population growing every single month and all of a sudden in January say, ooh, what the bleep, Batman, we're wrong by half a million people. Or you could recognize it along the way, and if so, why not, why not correct it sooner? I don't think they have the data available to do it because it comes off the ACS. Okay, it's just, okay. I mean, that's where they're getting it from. All right, fair enough. But, but what I will say is that what we have now is that in, in this last, from December to January, and this, again, this is a 12-month correction, okay? In the civilian labor force, a quarter of a million people with bachelor's degrees and higher disappeared out of the labor force. They're gone. So you, those, you don't think they just retired? They're dead. No, Labor force is not labor force is defined as anyone sixteen plus. It's not in a nursing home or a prison. Yeah, you're right. So they wouldn't be there. There's there's the civilian labor force. Then there's the labor force, which is com, which is combined of people that are working and actively looking. And then there's the last column, which we don't know what they're doing. They're students or retired or whatever. Correct. Uh, 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 yeah. So okay. it, it, anyway, you've got you got. A quarter of a million people that disappeared out of that in the bachelor's degree area. Now, did all of them die? I'm sure not. But um, boy, that's a you know that's an awful lot of people that either hung up the hat and disappeared out of the system somehow. Well, the people, there's 300,000 less in the we don't know what they're doing comps. So they didn't go there. Well, I, yeah, we know they didn't go there, right? So yeah, I mean, it's all of a sudden yeah, we went from 101 uh, 330 to 101 113. That's uh, you know neg 217 on the unadjusted numbers. And so Adjusted, these it's are the same number. If it's 100, 105 to one hundred two, so it gets you to the same place. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, these are fairly. Uh, this is, this is not. Uh, this is not saying the labor market's soft. This is saying that uh, we've, we've been cooking the books in terms of an awful lot of stuff. All right. I mean, that's uh, the other interesting thing that's... So that you, all I right, think, just re- reiterate one more time what Gunlack was talking about, and that he's talking about this state state surveys. You're saying. They just use the same thing, and they just break it out by state. Illinois doesn't have a separate group of people trying to figure out how many people are unemployed, you're saying? Um, No, they do, because uh, the the state administers their own state unemployment programs. Okay, so, uh, you know, my daughter ran into this during COVID because she was living in Florida with her boyfriend, and and they screwed up their system to the point that she, (laughs) even though she was involuntarily unemployed because they forced the place she worked closed, she couldn't actually get the filing in. She was owed the money. Did she ever get it? Yeah, she did, like, three months later. But it's a good thing she wasn't, like, you know, living hand-to-mouth. She would have been in the street. Well, she yeah. had the money to cover the rent. That, the that, happen, that happened there. here a lot because people just couldn't get I, into the system. S- well, the, the offices were all closed. So you yeah. had to use the system, and the system went down. And Oh, speaking yeah, of which. A, it was a horrible problem. But now, speaking of which, get a load of this. Just a, one of a small thing about our stupid governments. The Metra here has decided the way to this cut costs, there, there's like three people at all these big stations downtown to sell you tickets. Right. So they decided they're going to can all the people. 
I mean, all the people, like 12 people, maybe. Yeah, and, all of a dozen, right? Yeah, all of a dozen. We're going to save a whole bunch of dough. We're going to have these, this system where you can you know, put your credit card in and buy your ticket. The first day, it all went down. <laughs> of course. <laughs> then, 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 then you got no ticket, right? Yeah, that's, that's fun. So here's another thing, though. Now, there is some profound softness. Now, this is not population adjusted. So this one's, there is profound softness in this data in a couple of places. One of the places that it's showing up, and this is big, is the the average weekly hours all across total privates down two ticks. Now that's a million two jobs. Really? In terms of the yeah. in, yes, that is a big deal. And goods producing was down two ticks. Um, service providing is down three ticks on weekly hours. So that's uh, what that's, that's that's down. What uh, three three tenths three tenths of an hour? Or so you're yeah, down? three tenths of an hour. It's, so so it, it went from thirty seven to thirty six point seven. So thirty. So private service providing went from thirty three point three hours to thirty three point flat, and total private. Well, thirty goods producing went from thirty nine seven to thirty nine five, uh, and the overtime hours uh, for uh, manufacturing was down a tick as well. So this is that is a big deal, um, in that you know you do not want to see people getting hours cut. That doesn't imply strong demand, right? <laughs> right. What so? What do you make of all the stuff in the last week? I mean, twelve thousand, eleven thousand, twelve thousand worth of UPS, and when, well, when is that going like to show? Up? I mean, well, that's that's being reflected in you know in what you're seeing here. Okay, is the slack demand tends to lead to hours cut, and then if it keeps being slack, then you get layoffs. And uh, yeah, you're seeing layoffs. I mean, the the other thing that's that I think is rather interesting is that the total private average weekly ticket, your average weekly earnings, was negative. Now, not by a lot, only about forty cents. But it, uh, but minus is minus, right? I mean, December twenty three to Jan twenty four went eleven seventy eight. Wait, wait, wait. Every, everybody and CNBC, Gunlamp included, will tell you that. The, the average worker in America is now is is his rate of pay increase is higher than the inflation rate. I can't think of a bigger crack of crap. And why why are people saying it? What possible statistic could they be looking at? Well, look, is is uh, the the average hourly earnings was up from December to January. However, when you take the hours back out, the average weekly check was negative forty cents. How much do they say the earn- hourly earnings were up? Uh, from thirty four thirty six to thirty four fifty five across everything. Now, so what is this? And the inflation rate, according to them, was what point two? Well, you know, two and a half or whatever. Yeah, but but you look at like so for yeah, you know, leisure and hospitality is is you know the bottom of the pile, so to speak, in terms of the the average hourly earnings. Right? I mean, that's just the way it works. Uh, that was up nine cents in hourly earnings. However. The average check went from five fifty seven twenty eight to five forty eight seventy six. That's nearly ten bucks. Okay, but I, I'm right. still. But we but we didn't close. One one of my first questions was, we didn't close any of the gap between what the household survey is telling us versus the establishment. Because I got, and my adjusted thing, I had thirty thousand less people working this month, and these guys say three hundred fifty more. Well, and the unadjusted was negative a million one this month too. Yeah. So that's two months last, in a row. Last month was neg one three nine five. This month was neg eleven oh five. So how do you how can you possibly put together negative two hundred 
2.5 with positive 700 that these guys are giving us. That's like, uh, they're, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> but they're giving us both numbers. I understand that, but you know what? The, the headline one is the one that everybody uh, you know looks at. And, and, and by the way, Biden will tweet something within the next 20 minutes and cheer about it. Well, I, well if you and I were president, <laughs> we probably would too. But the, I, mean, I guess what my question is, you and I have always talked that the, the, the fundamental difference in the numbers is if you have three jobs, you're counted as one in the household survey, probably. And three in the, and three and three in the establishment. But, but, right, because they don't know about each other. But, but sometimes when the difference is like 50,000 a month, you and I will say, all right, 25 or 50,000 people got a job delivering pizzas at night, and, and that, that, that's the difference. But there's no way that can be a million two months in a row. Well, well, guess what? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, the, the, in other words, the normal explanation we give is not a 2.5 million person explanation. In other words, we need another one. Lying, right. lying could be one of them, but it's not just everybody got a second job. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, when you look at like production, you know, production uh, and super average, average stat. Now, this is uh, now establishment data. Okay, table B eight uh, near the near the very back. Uh, uh, the the total average hourly earnings again up uh, thirteen cents, but the weekly check nine ninety five sixteen down to nine ninety three sixty one. Okay, so I mean this is I, th- the data is internally consistent. I when I when I look at the at, now this is non supervisory okay production non supervisory employees so this does not include managers and you know that sort of stuff. Uh, but when I, you know, when I look at this data, then I look at the the hourly, you know, overtime hours and the hours work data. It, yeah, it's it's consistent. I don't see anything in here that screams at me that says that, uh, you know, the data's wrong. What I see is that the data's right, uh, and that the, uh, you know, the average, uh, the the aggregates are are adding up. And I see an awful lot of negative signs in, uh, you know, in the in places that, in terms of actual economic activity. So if, if and then the other thing is the other day was it yesterday or two days ago ISM prices paid was way up okay now that's a very bad thing well I mean if the inflation is, is coming right back well that's inflation well because right. because they're, they're putting money back in the system right but ISM prices paid is up so anybody that thinks that you know that we're we're looking for a bunch of rate cuts uh, well you know Powell tried to throw as much cold water on that as I as I think I've ever heard a Fed chair do but, but he, he will cut him if he needs to to keep well, we'll see. I, I, what do you? I mean, I ask everybody, I, I ask everybody this question, and there, there is no answer to it. But uh, the, anybody, I think anybody who doesn't recognize that, both in terms of people's perception, reality, uh, even the way people look at life right now, uh, is is so much different than it quote used to be. When I say, you know, everything's different than it used to be. Obviously, we're we're older. <laughs> That's different. Uh, but the idea that your 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 wealth is is being generated by your income that concept is so far gone now i mean i'm not talking about i guess you could say zuckerberg is earning his dough but uh but the the idea right now the difference between the wealth number i won't say bubble the wealth number meaning stocks and real estate and all that stuff and the average person ability to pay for something I've I've never seen it like this. It was never it was never like this in the seventies and eighties when we had the inflation then. 
mainly because people could keep up with it with their with, with savings accounts. But th- this is almost the obscene level that the wealth is at record stuff. And the other, I mean, like Kenny Polkieri, we was telling you, we said on here, so I could say it. He had, he went to the emergency room for like a COVID thing. He said it was there an hour. I think I think he said they they walked out with something. They gave him something. It was sixty two hundred bucks. Well, that that's that's what that's uh. For an average person, that's two months' salary. I and and you know the, this is this is the insanity that we have in the way that the system is structured. Every piece of this. I mean, you know, I've, I've pointed this out. There was a there's a very inexpensive uh, generic inhaled steroid. It's called bedesonide. It it's it was asthmatics used it for a very long time now they you know it, it became off patent and cheap and therefore we have to get rid of it and use something else because otherwise you can't make any money on it right all right all right so but, but there was absolutely nothing wrong with it as a as a maintenance drug for somebody that's got asthma uh, and as it turns out uh, if you wanted to get it today in the United States even though it's a generic there's one manufacturer and it's four hundred dollars for an inhaler all right, that same inhaler costs more in postage to ship from India than it does to buy from yeah. the United States. Right? And, and interestingly enough, uh, that if you have severe lung involvement with pneumonia, whatever, what are they going to do? They're going to throw you on a steroid, right? Probably prednisone. Well, gee, why don't you have somebody puff on that thing, which will actually put the drug exactly where the problem is, which is in your lungs? Um, well, uh, there's no money to be made there because I can't generate a $6,000 hospital bill by handing somebody a $10 inhaler and telling them to, you know, hey, if, this, if this doesn't help, come back and see me in another day. Uh, by the way, it will help. Uh, guess when I used it? I bet you can figure it out. When you had the COVID. Uh, yeah, and within 24 hours, it resolved all of the lung involvement problems and the oxygen saturation within 24 hours. Well, I, I guess with, with the the spread here, is getting. I'm, I'm starting to sense. Sense. I talk to people more than I should probably. Uh, and now I, I must have had five, six people have told me uh, my new insurance policy. I, I can't go to the emergency room. Or I can't do this. Or I can't. I got to pay forty percent of the hospital. I mean, I, I, I guess there, there's things happen. They spread and they spread and they spread, and all of a sudden you can't spread anymore. And I, I wonder, as the Irish say, we can't get more blood out of this turnip. Or we're just gonna have people. I mean, the, the the difference between well, people that should go to the hospital won't, and then they'll die. Well, I mean, even even going to the, the small stuff, which isn't really the. I mean, uh, you, you can do the small stuff. You can go try and find an omelet for less than fourteen dollars. Right? Is an omelet really worth an hour's pay? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, uh, well, I mean, exactly. And, yeah. And so, but if somebody goes and puts a, a you know, I mean, uh, you know, what did Dan? They wanted to hit him up for twenty five grand for his Mercedes transmission. I mean. Talking, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about. I, I know of people that had hail damage in their roofs. These are nice homes. They're not, you know, they're not. We're not talking about an asphalt roofs. The nice roof, but it's not slate either. Eighty, ninety grand for a roof. Boy, oh boy, I would never have dreamed that ten years ago. Oh yeah, well, I mean, and, and it's, it's now now have you know have have a storm tear a couple shingles off your roof and try to go get a roofer to just come you know make that repair oh, right? yeah, forget about that. forget about it you you'd better be able to get up there on the roof and fix it because if you can't uh, the only thing they're going to want to do is change the entire roof out and oh by the way 
they'll they'll pull some scam with your insurance company and say that it was hail damaged and and oh by the way the whole thing has to be changed when there was you know two shingles missing. I mean I I've seen that and and people wonder why there's such a problem in Florida with getting homeowners insurance. Well guess what that's a big part of why uh, and why the costs are skyrocketing because uh, gee you know insurance is this is this thing where you take something that's unlikely but would ruin you and spread the cost out across a bunch of people and you know but the whole point is it's supposed to be unlikely if you make it likely because someone's scamming half the time all of a sudden the price becomes ridiculous well yeah there's a middle ground there because insurance companies i i had a friend once who used to work for one and he said they're really good on collecting they're not bad no, they're not so good on paying out because yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're halfway decent on managing the money but they're not so good on paying out i you know i actually know in, in the area where audrey lives they actually did have a pretty serious hailstorm like a few years yeah. ago. And that, you know, people, they don't know. But some guy came around, and he actually went on from roof to roof and and said, by the way, you've got a bunch of hail damage. But but you wouldn't know. But he went up, you know, what do they call the, uh, the where there's a, there's a hip in the roof, the thing is copper where the water runs down. It's a, yeah, the, yeah, in the, in, in the gutters. And yeah. he... But he well, no. Well, this is these are up on the roof. Well, the guy actually. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. He actually the, took some yeah. nothing you could see from the ground, but he went up there and he sketched this on a piece of paper. I'm looking for it. There were a million dents and holes in the thing from the hail that you wouldn't see from the ground. Oh, and, and yet those will generate leaks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like there was no scam there, other than the fact that the, the roofs are incredibly expensive. Um, right. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that all of it is a scam. Yeah. I'm saying that there's that there there is a lot of scamming that goes on in certain places. Right. Florida is kind of the epicenter for it, but I'm sure it's not the only place. And and part of that is what drives this. And then you have these kinds of things like situations like this where you know you got people that you you go into the ER. And you know you spend ten minutes there, and they and then they try to send you a bill for six thousand dollars, right? And then you wonder, you know, gee, I wonder why CMS ran you know ran two trillion in spend and took in three hundred billion in, you know, yeah. in taxes. Well, gee, you know, where where's an awful lot of that going? Well, you know, right into the but Medicare pockets. pays pays a huge discounted price. Does Medicaid as well? Yeah, well, Medicaid pays an even greater. So. Under the law, if a physician or a hospital alleges that Medicare is paying under cost, okay, that their schedule does not cover their costs, they can sue. And if they're right and they can prove it, they not only get the additional money, they get a penalty from Medicare doing that to them. Okay, so the Medicare number is actually extraordinarily defensible. If you are ever told you should pay, you know, some ridiculously inflated price, I would I would tell them that you will give them the Medicare, whatever the Medicare rate is, and if they don't want that, they can sue you and you'll go after them for a for attempting to extort you and you'll 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 chase them, okay? Because if you end up in a situation where you can actually go into court, get discovery and all this, you will win on that basis, or at least you should if there's an honest court system. Who knows? Uh, because that is, in fact, a profitable price. Carl, I was okay. talking to a, a person last week. Now, now, by the okay. way, that's not true for Medicaid. Okay, but I was talking to a person last week who uh, goes to a chiropractor every now and then, uh, and their dog had some issue and went to the 
she took him to the dog chiropractor. Took her to the dog chiropractor. Right. The the Medicare price for her chiropractor is forty bucks, and I know the guy he does a great job. Uh, the dog guy charged one fifty. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, okay. So you want to know what's you want to know what kind of crazy crap is going on now? Is now everybody is peddling pet insurance, pet medical insurance. And as a result, the cost of, of actually getting your pet looked at in the at the vet has tripled. If you if you ever if you ever are stuck with a situation where you have to go to the emergency vet, sell all your assets before you go. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. But you know where it came from? It came from this pet insurance garbage that's going well, on. Well, it's, it's, we know that that lady downstairs her uh, the uh, her, her bulldog ate something. They had to get operation whatever the hell didn't pass. It was a blockage. Yeah. Guess how much? I. Uh, I, I can't even. Took like it took like an hour, twelve grand. I I yep, doesn't surprise me. And I'm like, really? I mean, come on, we're not we're not. We're, I mean, uh, this I'm saying the the inflation that that I'm I'm worried about here with people are. Uh, who was last week? Somebody went and got a root canal. twenty five hundred bucks. It took the guy an hour. I mean, really twenty five hundred. Uh, the the problem with all of this stuff, Chief, is that this is and you know ten years ago I said I'm I'm never setting up another company, and I'm going to stay. You know when Obamacare came in, I said I'm going to stay within the safe harbor so that I so that I have catastrophic. You know if I get run over by a bus or I get cancer, you know I get shot. Some some ute tries to mug me and shoots me, that you know I actually have some ability to try to get that fixed without ending up bankrupt. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, but that's all it's good for. I know it's not good for anything else. If I need it for something, if I need the medical system for something else, by the time I get to 65, it's not going to exist. And if I have to go pay for it, regardless, I'm going to be dead because the choice is going to be dead or broke. Those are going to be my options. And that's the way it's going to be because nobody will take this problem on. Well, nobody you, will stop it. The person I was talking about with Kevin, the, the same guy, the CW, my buddy who's long gone, I'm sure, uh, he, we'll run over here a second because this is, I mean, I don't think I've ever told you this. He owned a factory in Columbus, Indiana, right? Well, it was, I said Wabash, or I think it was Columbus. Uh, they are close to each other. Anyway, what he did is he said, this is back, you know, when, when this was straighter. He said, what we're going to do is we, I think he had three, four hundred employees. He said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to buy the catastrophic stuff from Lloyd's of London, which Right. The, mo- the most catastrophic stuff is somebody having a baby that's messed up. It's even worse than cancer. Uh, but that's 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 your number one thing you fear as an insurance company. Um, but anyway, so we're going to buy that, and uh, and everybody else, I'm just going to pay for, rather than uh, right. And and, and they have, they brought a doctor into the place, you know, where they, if you go see somebody if you had the cold or something. And he said the next year they saved so much. It was it was their biggest profit center in the place. Yeah, but but now but now so in other words, you could essentially self-insure. And I had when when uh, Bob Cerrone used to come on the air. I uh, think he probably retired. I think, but um, he said if if you were over like fifty people, you should self-insure your your pharmacy because uh, you can actually get a better deal doing it yourself than your insurance company gives you. Uh, but that's you know, don't run out and do that. It was a while ago. But the point being is now they essentially have said you can't do that. Because they have this quote network, the price CW would now have to pay at the hospital would be double or triple what the insurance company has to pay, and that's that's absolutely totally wrong on any any antitrust level there is. It's illegal. It's, Ill, it's totally illegal. Yeah, but but that that's that's what drove 
companies from being able to essentially compete with an insurance company themselves. You can't do it because well, you're I, I, I know, Chief, and it's it's one of those... It, I mean, you know, I, I saw the start of this when I was running MCS, okay? And it's it's... But it was one of the reasons that when all this and then Obamacare came in, I said, I'm never doing it again. I'm not going to go out and earn a lot of money. I can, but I will not. I will not set up another firm. I'm not doing it. And it, until and unless this stops, no. And what I'm going to do is sit on my butt until I turn 65, and then I go on Medicare, and at that point, then that sort of Damocles is off the top of my uh, head. It is, it is, and it isn't. Uh, last well, it is, but it isn't. Here's the thing. But I accept that at 65, if something terrible happens to me, other than trauma, and and the game, you know, the rug gets pulled out from under me, you know I have not had a bad run. You know what your insurance is if you're 65 and you want the good Medicare stuff per month. Well, no, no, you don't. You, you take... <laughs> see, now, advantage is... Go, is I know, uh, okay, now you're, you're not going to answer the question. What What is it per month? Uh, well, it depends on how much money you make. Well, no, it's it's 500 bucks. No, it depends on how much money you make. Well, if, if, you're, if you're normal. In other words... But, uh, um, if I remember correctly, the the monthly is like one... If you don't go over the threshold, which is actually fairly high, uh, I believe the... For traditional Medicare, for traditional Medicare, I believe it's like $160. No, it's up to... It went up last year way more than the Social Security did, okay, which is even more bizarre. If, if you... Medicare is the hospital, correct? If you want the doctor, which everybody does... Right. That comes out of your Social Security check. Correct, correct. That's, that's, that's two-something. Right. Okay, and if you want any kind of a, a supplemental policy that's decent... But but that, I don't. Okay, but... All right, but I'm saying if you do, that's two-something, and, and the drug stuff is 70. And I don't want that either. Okay, but I'm saying, if, but if you do, it's 570 a month out of your pocket. But, five, the sta- but the standard Part B premium, I just looked it up, for 2024 is $174.70. All right. I don't now, now more, but that's the part B. But that's the you're right. You're right. It's that's right. And the the other one's two sixty or something. So yeah. It's not well, but that, but you don't have no one seventy four seventy. The other one is is the other part. The A and B is one is is already earned. If you have the credits and you do so, that one you don't pay. But the one you do have to pay that comes out of your Social Security is one seventy four seventy. Assuming you're not over the income cap. Now, if right. you are, then it goes up rapidly. Right. Okay. Right. right but, now here's the, but now here's the reason you say no to the rest, is that you, you have to pay 20%. It's an 80-20. Medicare is an 80-20 plan. All right. You have to pay 20%, but they cannot charge you the rack rate. They have to charge you the Medicare price. Uh, and prescription drugs? I don't think so. One of my buddies... Well, no, no, no. On drugs, I, uh, drugs are not covered unless you... Okay, well, yeah, one of my buddies got more money than God. Uh, just had some heart arrhythmia type thing, and the guy's seventy four ish. He goes in, he gets his his first month of Eliquis, and it's like five hundred bucks. I go, welcome, welcome to that club, but I mean, well, gu- <laughs> guess who's willing to import it from India if he has to? Well, that'd be me because okay. I'm not paying five hundred bucks for something that ought to cost twenty. Well, I, I don't disagree, Carl. Thank you as, as usual. By the way, SPV is only up a buck now. NASDAQ futures up 64. The stocks are still, we were talking about earlier, are still up. Apple's down 6. Amazon's up 10. Meta's up 65. Those are the biggies. NVIDIA's up every day, up 8 bucks. Carl, uh, good stuff. Are, are we going to find these 2 million people someday? Oh, uh, well, I have an idea where some of them are. Well, 
On that note, we'll be back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. Greed is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.